0: Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast sponsored by Moda Fabrics. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today. So let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I am Pat Sloan. We are in for a fun-filled show, and my first guest is Annette Williams. She is the very talented designer behind the website and design company The Good Life. Uh, so Annette, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited.
0: I love the name of your company, The Good Life. It's, uh, it describes quilting, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does. Yeah. It's, it's, so, um, Kind of a throwback to um, an old song, but it's a what we all love about quilting. It's the good life.
0: It is. It is. So where did, where did what song was it?
1: It was a song um, that my mother used to play years ago. Um, I think it was like a Frank Sinatra song.
2: hmm
1: So my sister said, "Well, let's just make it the good life because anytime you're sewing, it is the good life."
0: Yeah. I love how these names come up. You know, there's always a little something more behind the scenes to it. You know, when did, did your mother
2: quilt?
1: Yes. She um my grandmother quilted. Um she was an applicator. And then my mom did the mostly the patchwork quilting. Mm-hmm. Um so oh. we, we grew up around quilting all of our life.
0: hmm So what you know, you you owned a quilt shop for a little while, for you know, and then um, were you designing patterns when you were doing that?
1: Um, no, mostly just um, I was new into quilting at that time, and I was just you know going by the patterns and uh, mm-hmm. mostly things like that, uh, making some clothing. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Clothing is still kind of big. There's still a lot of you know people are doing a lot more clothing now. Um. So, you know, how did you get into the designing part?
1: I guess because um, I wasn't finding or I would find quicker ways of doing things. Um, I'd see a pattern and I'd think, well, if, you know, you could change it around and make this go here. And, you know, how you do, you just think, I can change that to make it look more like what I want it to look like. And mm-hmm. that kind of started the whole thing of designing
0: so, when you started, were you, you mentioned your sister earlier. Were both of you doing this?
1: Um, she really doesn't sew that much, but oh. she was always the, the background of the book work that I hated. Oh, so she would She would always help me out doing um, that, you know, getting things published and things like that. Mm-hmm. But she um, mostly liked to do the book work. And she, you know, we drove all over the countryside doing the quilt shows and Mm-hmm. It was quite fun. It still is.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's always good to have someone who likes the bookwork when it's not your thing. Uh, exactly. It's, exactly. It's an, ex- <laughs> it's an excellent partnership to have. <laughs> um, now, tell me a little bit about the type of designs you're doing because they are like combinations of embroidery and English paper piecing and you have some applique. They're just lovely. I just love them.
1: Well, you know how it is. Through the um, years, you just develop more and more skills or you want to learn more and more. Um, uh, the the um, embroidery kits came about by wanting to have everything included. So it was oh. easy for the, the person to take the kit, go home, and actually do it up without buying a lot of extras. Mm-hmm. Uh, I live in a rural area, so... Pearl cotton was not heard of, and uh, the right needles. So that's how we came up with the embroidery kits. Um, right now, though, I'm doing a lot of English paper piecing, and all of my English paper piecing is done block by block.
0: Oh, okay. Um, that's different, isn't it?
1: it? It is because you're actually doing the English paper piecing and then applicating it on a block and it's not as intimidating as trying to do a whole quilt with english paper piecing and dragging it around. This mm-hmm. they're doing it block by block so if they get sick and tired of it or they want to move on to something else they can just sew the blocks together.
0: So was there something that got you really in- interested in the english paper piecing, you know, d- did you do a project and you're like this is it?
1: Patchwork of the crosses, I oh. did that, but i I knew that once I did the block, mm-hmm. they wanted you to cut out all the the cream to go around the connecting blocks that I would mm-hmm. never probably do that because the fun part was making the blocks, ah. so that's when i I put them applicate them onto uh blocks, and that way I could. So the blocks together and just do what I wanted to do, which was the fun part, which was the English paper piecing.
0: Right. <laughs> so one of yours, the, the Reba's Web, I mean, it's very, is that one also applique down?
1: It is applique down on a block, wow. and then putting four blocks together makes that design. Um, That's
0: very clever.
1: Well, it was one of those aha moments, you know, how you have when you're, Mm-hmm. Designing, and I'm, I'm a designer on graph paper still. Mm-hmm. I'm very old school, cause, you know, things come to you when you're least expecting it. Mm-hmm. So, I just, I just came up with that, and I like secondary, uh, patterns in blocks. So that, that's how that one came up.
0: Ah, you know, it sometimes graph paper is wonderful because everybody has it or, you know, or can easily get it. It's easy to understand, um, you know, and it just it just helps you sort of focus, doesn't it?
1: Well, and and you can change the I know a lot of people, if you're really good at, at computers, it's probably great for them. But, you know, not growing up in that age, I just love graph paper and I. I draw every day, so I either draw or sew every day, so um, it's something I love.
0: Now, what is a tip for the English paper piecing? Do you have, like, one little thing that will help people that haven't done a lot of it?
1: Um, Pick something that um, you – I really always tell people when they come through and they always want to decide which what to do first or which block to do or what paper piecing. I always tell them, do the one that you see that you love, uh, a pattern, go do that one first because you'll probably end up finishing it. And I do like the um, using the glue sticks now. I think it's uh, much faster and, um, oh, I have a lot of tips um you use uh, 80 weight thread um the finer the thread the finer the mm-hmm. needle the less you see your stitches mm-hmm. so but it, it are, it's a lot of fun
0: those are those are really good i really like picking something that you like because I think often people, do you find this, they'll go like, oh, well, I'll just do this thing, which then they don't really like it, but they're thinking it's easier. So, yeah, you're right. You don't really go forward with it.
1: Exactly. If you really like something, you will finish it. Right.
0: It's, that is so true. I love that. So, like, Annette, you also have some other very fun um, designs that you did for ironing bowl boards covers how did those are so creative how did you come up with that
1: well i was seeing seeing where people were painting on the antique ironing boards um mm. but i have a grandmother's ironing board you know mm-hmm. you wouldn't ruin an ironing board if you're not a great painter but i i'm a good mm-hmm. sewer so i can sew oh. up different designs and those have really sold really well and they're fun
0: so what are some of the designs that you've done for them Did you got some uh, that are sort of holiday we, right we have
1: yeah, we have Americana, we have a springland, we have a snowman, we have um pumpkins, um a welcome. So, it's funny. I just was going to do one or two, but the more that um people started buying them and they kept asking me for different uh seasons. So, mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of fun to do them.
0: So we were we were writing before the show, and one of the things that you have uh, sort of a great thought on is about um, using a, a collection of fabric because a lot of people will buy you know a collection from a designer, and you have a great thought on how to add to that.
1: I I always think when you buy a collection of designer fabrics, which there's beautiful ones out there. Or if you buy a quilt kit that you have just bought their, the person's kit that they've made up, mm-hmm. add a piece of fabric out of your stash that is memorable to you, something you really love or something that you bought on vacation or with a trip with a friend, and that way when you look at that quilt, it reminds you of where you were, what you were, what you were doing, um, um where where you bought that fabric? Um, I think that makes the quilt more homey, something that's more yours.
0: I love that because everybody has some other fabric too that they can add in, and it's going to it's really going to make your quilt unique. Yes. So and that people can find you uh, on the road. You are out doing shows. That do you do you have a list at your website?
1: Yes, I do. Okay. And the website is www.sewingthegoodlife.com.
0: Okay, great. And I see like on your top nav bar you have like upcoming shows so people can check it out and come say hello. Yes. Wonderful. Annette, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a lot of fun to get to know you. And um, I'm going to take a look at English paper piecing and appliqueing. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me on. It was so great.
0: Well, we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back.
3: Quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit ModaFabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Use paint to create a larger than life chalkboard wall in your sewing space. You can use it to keep track of current project information and shopping lists. Bonus, batting scraps work perfectly as erasers.
4: Get six issues of American Patchwork and Quilting a year delivered right to your door. Each issue is packed full of quilting patterns how-to techniques and tips and tricks from the editors and designers. And right now, we have a special deal for all of our podcast listeners. Visit slash deal to subscribe and enter coupon code podcast at checkout to get 60% off your subscription. Find the link in our show notes. You don't want to miss out. Are you a good starter of projects but not the best finisher? Have you amassed a large collection of UFOs or unfinished objects? Join our private Facebook group to be supported by a community of quilters all working to finish their projects. Search for the American Patrick and Quilting UFO Challenge on Facebook to get started.
0: Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan and we are going to talk scrappiness and good scrappiness with tanya alexander she you know her work from all the magazines uh um, that she's articles that she's done she's done lots of quilts for american patchwork and quilting family of uh, magazines and so I, I consider her like a scrappy genius uh hi tanya thanks for being here <laughs> oh thanks so much for that introduction and for having me pat Yeah, it's been a little while since we chatted, and I just wanted to catch up and find out what kind of um, new things you have going on. Um, You know, so I missed you at the trade show. Did you have a lot of fun?
5: Yes. Oh, my gosh. It was wonderful. It's such a hectic, busy um, event, but it's very uh, encouraging and inspiring, and just seeing all the great things that are coming onto the market and new ideas that folks have, it's always um always a great experience so
0: so you put out a brand new um, project book. Uh, it's a it's a man a lab manual. I like yes, it. A yes. lab manual. <laughs> <laughs> well,
5: you know, as you know, you know, as quilters, it seems like the longer we quilt, the more scraps we generate, and oh my. I am certainly no different. <laughs> and uh, you know, the, I think the difference for me is that instead of um, looking at those scraps and being overwhelmed by them, I'm really inspired by them, and I kind of use them as fuel for my my projects and so I've really been taken lately with um, the concept of string quilts which are you know quite historical they've been around for a long time but using long skinny strips of fabric uh, and just kind of creating new things with them and, and kind of new ways of looking at string quilts that maybe we haven't in the past and so the result of that was a workbook which is basically six projects uh, called string theory and it's part of a new lab manual series that I put together that each one is going to focus on a different concept. And so for this one, they're all string quilts, all made up of these skinny strips of scrap Aww.
0: fabric. You know, I think people just go like bananas when they see anything like this because you start looking at the fabrics and there's people like coming to you and say like, I had that fabric. <laughs>
5: Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, as the maker, it's the same. I, I love the idea and the concept of like, uh, quilt lineage, you know, where you pull a scrap out of your bucket and you go to put it in your quilt and you remember the original project that it was from, Mm. you know, and and you think back, oh, that was from this baby quilt I made years ago or whatever. And just kind of seeing how it progresses over time and how the quilts are linked together, um, adds another level of, you know, specialness and meaningfulness for me in quilting that, I really enjoy.
0: So let's talk a little bit of detail on how to manage this because your sure. book your book is pretty amazing. So everybody needs oh, to have this. Oh, thank you so this. much. Yeah, it really. She's uh, Tanya. You have gone through and of an amazing job to sort of give you that kickstart and understanding of how to work with this. But but first, how, you you know, like not a everybody ends up with a one and a half inch strip a over. So of do know. we sort of a of a working set of a Yeah,
5: you know, my when a couple of my best tips are, first of all, um, I like to have just a bin, an extra bin at the ready so that as I'm cutting other projects, no matter what kind of project it is and you have a little bit left over of anything, um, I immediately cut it down to the largest working piece. And a lot of times that just may be a strip or two. So in my case, I always cut them down to one-and-a-half-inch-wide strips of any length, whatever it is, and I just toss it in the bin doesn't matter what color, doesn't matter, uh, you know, what project it may go in in the future. It just doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it's just kind of like a soup starter. Those strips are Mm going to collect over time, and then I can pull them out later and um, see what I have. And then I can go, if I have a specific project in mind, I might need more of one color or something. Mm -hmm. Then I go to my stash shelves and I pull off and I may do some specially, um, you know, some specific cutting of one-and-a-half-inch-wide strips. But I already have a bucket ready to go. They're already okay. the right size. And it makes it a lot more manageable than just starting to cut, you know, mm-hmm. right from scratch.
0: Right. I think that that's that's where it can be, at least for me, it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to cut all this up. So you're basically building your working fabric bins as you go with other things. Absolutely, so.
5: over time. And yeah. I think that's kind of one of the... Key things about these kind of string quilts and these kinds of projects is taking the pressure off of yourself and knowing that, you know, these are nice background projects. They're projects mm-hmm. that once you learn the key concepts of how to put, you know, to block colors together and get some good ideas of how you can use them in the future, you can pick, come back to them over time. You know, do a couple blocks, put it away. Uh, mm-hmm. Take it on a retreat, do a couple blocks, put it away. Come back to it as the scraps build. You don't have to have every single piece cut at the very beginning to start a project and do it from start to finish. And so just knowing that is it's um, pretty liberating, just knowing that right. you have the freedom to come and go from a project and you don't have to sit down from start to finish. And so some part of that is just having the materials on hand and cut and ready to go anytime you want.
0: So let's talk a, a little bit more about the color part because I – um, there's a term that that's used a lot in the last few years called low volume fabric, which to oh, yeah. is you know to me that means light colored fabrics, but yeah. the term came around low volume to sort of give it an extra sort of definition frame, um, but what. What do you consider those lights? Yeah. You- well,
5: you said it exactly right. Low volume, what we call refer to often now as low volume have been around mm-hmm. forever. I mean, and you can look at any fabric style, anything from um civil war prints <laughs> to modern mm-hmm. fabrics and everything in between, and low volume for me just really refers to um some type of printed uh, fabric on a light background. It can be white, cream, pastels, beige, any of those colors qualify to me as low volume. Um, but the key with them is that they are actually printed fabric. So we're not, I'm not necessarily focusing on tone on tone or um, maybe even batik sometimes or solids, mm-hmm. but with mm-hmm. actual prints and mixing those together. But you can mm-hmm. find them in any fabric style, and I think they just kind of refer to this whole group of fabrics that um, can typically be backgrounds on traditional mm-hmm. quilts, but they mm-hmm. also take, come kind of front stage in working them with them in modern ways now.
0: Yeah. So, is there is there a um a sort of a percentage of color on it that you're like, okay, now this is really yellow, uh, not not a low volume that can go with my creams because sometimes right. you just get a lot more. The light part of it is less.
5: Mm-hmm. Well, you know that's a really great question, and so I think what you sh- What I typically focus on more than the color, you mentioned yellow or beige or cream, Mm -hmm. I focus on the contrast with my dark fabrics because it's really the Mm. contrast, the difference Mm -hmm. between light and dark in your fabrics Mm -hmm. that's going to do the work for you in creating um, movement across the, the face of your quilt and across your design. And so low volume needs to be light enough that it's going to contrast and be the opposite of your medium to dark tone fabrics. So by looking at it in a more broader sense like that, you can incorporate Mm -hmm. a lot of colors that you wouldn't typically put together. Grays, um, beiges, whites, creams, pinks, yellows, all those can mix together. And because Mm -hmm. the uh impact of them is subtle. It's not the bright color. It's the interesting prints and unique tones on them when you mix them together that actually Mm -hmm. makes them more interesting to look at. So I look more at contrast with the dark colors than I do the actual color of the low volume themselves, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it does. It does. And you have great examples uh, on your website and in, and in your book. Uh, I, let, let, let's let explore it like one step more because sometimes there's a big print. And if you're yes. putting it down to like a one-and-a-half-inch strip, um, one of the things that happens is you have maybe more light or more dark, right?
5: Yes, absolutely. And so there's two sides to that. First of all, when you see a big print on a light background fabric, um, at first, you might think, oh, this might be too dark, but you mm-hmm. have to remember when it's going to be cut down into a one-and-a-half-inch-wide strip, your mm-hmm. finished size you're ever going to see is one-inch-wide, so yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can actually get a lot of low volume out of a, a, a print fabric that might look initially kind of dark, because you're only going to see a very little bit of it, and also, and you know, the opposite, you can do the same. If there's a really big, pretty floral on there, you can use that part of the strip and put it in your darks or, mm-hmm. you know, vice versa. Again, the other thing to remember is when you put it together with other similar fabrics, your eye is going to read that particular color. So it's going to read low volume in general as opposed to looking just at that one single print.
0: Right. These are all like, this is just, oh, so much fun. It makes me want to do one because I have never done one, a quilt with one and a half inch strips. What is the, your favorite for people to start with?
5: Oh, as far as projects go? Yeah, yeah. Well, gosh, you know, I think, oh, I don't even know if I could pick a favorite. <laughs> um, I think a manageable size would be, so one of the projects in the book is called Simple Gifts, and it's mm-hmm. a little table topper with four um, four cute little gifts on there that feature a fun um measuring tape ribbon on them, and there's also an optional project in the book of a little pop-out to make them into little throw pillows, and those are really fun, and those actually touch on another concept that I talk a lot in the book about, which is color blocking and using Mm -hmm. not our low-volume fabrics but focusing more on the colored fabrics, and so that's a really fun project to start with. It's small. It's manageable. You don't need a lot of scraps to do that, and you can explore the concepts all in one project
0: yeah I think I like the fact too that if you do something small first, you can experience the whole thing and finish it and then you know move on to absolutely I like the, and you know I like it i like to look at projects and and think of the
5: options of them as well. Sometimes you see a quilt Mm -hmm. or a project you really love. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to make the king-sized version of it. So another project (laughs) in the book is called Rockstar, which is um, probably my personal favorite um, because Mm -hmm. this is the project that really started me on this road of of, and love of string quilts. Um, But it, it, it is a larger project. It's like 56 by 56 square. But there's also... You know, when you look at a project and realize, oh, I could pull out a part of it and do a more, a different size. I can manage it for my size, whatever I want to make. And right. so one of the alternates in there is to pull out just one of the stars and make a wall hanging out of that portion as opposed to making a whole project. And, you know, you should feel free to look at any project you see either in a magazine or I a book that. or anywhere that you're inspired by and tailor it for what you like to do and what you enjoy doing and how many scraps and stuff you have. So.
0: Well, Tanya, this has been so much fun. I am inspired to get some one-and-a-half-inch strips cut.
5: Oh, well, thank you. That is my absolute goal. If you're, you know, excited about
0: going and diving in your scrap bin, then my job is done. <laughs> well, everybody visit Tanya out at stashlabquilts.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Pat. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. We're going to take a little break from American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, and I'll be right back.
3: quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit ModaFabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Cut leftover binding into one and a half inch long pieces and use them as leaders and enders. Hi, I'm Jody Sanders, group editor of American Patchwork and
6: Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases to make a difference. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others who are in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's 1 Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You will make a difference with every pillowcase that you donate. Join the movement today. Find complete details. Download free patterns. And record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com
4: slash millionpillowcases. Join the annual American Patchwork and Quilting Quilt along, along with thousands of other quilters. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quiltalong to choose your favorite project and get the pattern. Then get sewing. Share photos of your progress on social media using the hashtag apq quilt to join the fun
0: welcome back to american patrick and quilting's podcast i'm pat sloan so if you're online anywhere and all of a sudden you you see one of these quilts and you're like you just stop right you know certain quilts do that you stop you have to go see well who the heck made that and what else do they make well Laura Pyland is that person for me she is the designer behind sliceofpiequilts.com and I am so excited Laura to talk to you thanks for being
2: here oh I'm so excited to talk with you today
0: you know really I'm very I'm, I'm Honestly, every time I see something yours, I'm like, oh my gosh, these are so fun and amazing. You must have a sense of humor too. Slice of pie quilts.
2: Absolutely. My last name is Pyland and I used to be a math teacher and so we celebrate (laughs) pie here like it is Christmas. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, this is fantastic. When did, when did you make your first quilt?
2: I made my first quilt in 2010. I grew up with like, Very minimal sewing experience. But in 2010, a friend of mine had a baby, and I had this really weird urge to make her quilt. And so I never quilted, didn't know anything about it. And so I just used YouTube and phone calls to my grandma to try (laughs) to figure out how to do it. And I tried so much, so many new things when I was making it, and I just loved the thrill of that. And so once I got done, I vowed that I was going to continue to try new things and keep going. And here I am, like eight years later, still loving the thrill of trying new things.
0: You know, when you, the thrill of it, that is so true. It's like when you find that kind of making that does it, like, time and time again for you, isn't that golden? Absolutely. Yeah. I've been making quilts, I don't know, 25 years or so, and still it doesn't matter. Starting something new is
2: like, yay! <laughs> Exactly. I I call it quilting ADD. I I get too many ideas, and then I'm trying to finish one thing, but I have another idea, and so I'm constantly wanting to just try something new, just just like you said, just to hit that thrill of figuring it out. Yeah, because it's fun. It's fun. Uh, So,
0: Laura, when did you start – did you start writing um, about your quilts, like when you made that first baby quilt?
2: a A friend of mine had suggested I keep a scrapbook of my Um, quilt and mm -hmm. I'm not a scrapbooker at all (laughs) but I love that idea and so um, I discovered blogging and so I just started writing where I got the fabric how I made the quilt for every quilt that I made and so that's what my blog is it's just a recording of every single quilt that I've made since 2010.
0: You know, I wish, Laura. I wish I had done that. I never did. I don't know why. It just didn't ever occur to me. And now I like think, oh, I would. I should just start, right? I should just start like this year, and That's then right. yeah, and, and say I have about six hundred prior, but this is what I'm doing this year.
2: <laughs> so yeah, I love At the end of the year, I actually have my blog printed as a book so that I can keep it and I pretend that my children will one day look back and will love the, will have this history of, of all the quilts that their mom made.
0: Yeah, of course they will. This will be amazing. Yeah, maybe their children, you know, will go. Like, That's right. They will. They will. So, what? Tell me a little bit about your design process because a lot of things that you create are, you know, a little bit more unusual. Like you did, like a bacon quilt. You know, I mean, just like for example, that how many people decide that they will make a quilt
2: that looks like a slice of bacon? You know, what <laughs> kind of make? Ba- yeah, what kind uh, of? Bacon- I I get inspiration everywhere. Obviously, like at breakfast. You know, sometimes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I I like to scroll through. Pinterest and Instagram to kind of get ideas of techniques that I haven't Mm -hmm. tried before. And I Mm -hmm. kind of keep a mental list of things that I haven't done, but I'd love to try and figure out. And then I also just take pictures when I'm out and about of random things, like maybe the sidewalk has a unique design or something. And then I keep all that in a folder on my phone and just will scroll through. And sometimes a technique has been in my head and then I come across a picture I've taken and they just kind of collide in this idea. And then sometimes it stays and I ignore it. But if I keep coming back to an idea and I can't stop thinking about it, then I know that's a quilt I'm going to have to make because I can't get it out of my head.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, some of these then you create patterns for. Like, I think that's you right. don't do it mm-hmm. for every single quilt. But what makes you decide to take one of those and create a pattern?
2: Um. It has to be pretty unique. I don't want to write a pattern for something that I think that someone else may have already done. Mm. And then I also want to make sure it's something that I think other people could do based on reading the directions. That's a goal um. of mine in my pattern writing is to make things easy to understand so anybody could do it. And so if uh, if I think that the project's too complicated or something, then I might tweak it in order to get it to a pattern. Mm-hmm. But um, if it's too simple too, like, oh, I just, sometimes I just like to sew squares together. Like, I'm not going to write mm-hmm. a pattern for that. So mm-hmm. I just, I still blog about it, and you can read about it on my blog, but I, I choose my pattern kind of things that I think other people would like and would also give them the opportunity to try something new, too.
0: And, and so when you, like, like I love the quilt that you sent the picture, uh, Flurry. that yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about it?
2: Yeah, flurry is based on a mandala rock painting design. So I don't know if you've heard of it, but a lot of people paint dots on rocks. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a meditative um, thing. And so right. I've seen tons of those like around, like on Pinterest and stuff. It's really popular. And I just couldn't shake the idea that that should be a quilt. And so um, it just started as an experiment, and mm-hmm. I kept it worked. <laughs> I sometimes yeah. surprised myself. And so um, that quilt became a pattern. And like you said, it's called Flurry. And I've made it several times in different sizes and different colors, different backgrounds, colors. And every time I'm shocked at how changing up the fabric just changes the whole look of it. But they always look really cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, you also provided for that particular one multiple sizes. Are they like, like, I'm thinking the baby version and the king-size version, are the circles just smaller on the baby version, or are there less of them?
2: No, the baby version is less
0: circles. Okay.
2: And then the king-size version, you actually just add more to it. Okay. Okay. So the yeah, design that? is the same, and then you can kind of make the quote any size you want based on how many circles you put on
0: it. Mm-hmm. That's clever. That's... Yeah, that's wonderful for a pattern because so many people, you know, they see it, but they need it a little bigger or they need it a little smaller. So it's um, it's it's a it's a great value that you provide.
2: Yeah, that's another goal of mine when I pattern. You know, when I write a pattern, I want people to be able to use it for multiple times and not just make it one time and be done.
0: Mhm. So you know, when do you do you ever travel around and do any kind of teaching in person?
2: I do. I was a te- as a middle school math teacher before yeah. I became a pattern designer, <laughs> and I teaching is in my blood. I love it. Yeah. So I just recently got back from uh, Missouri Star Academy at the Missouri mm-hmm. Star Quilt Company in Hamilton, yeah. Missouri, and I taught there for two days. And uh, my class was actually called Tips and Tricks um, and Time Savers: Ways to Get More Done in Less Time. Because I have young kids, and that is my thing is to try to get as much sewing as I can, even with young kids around.
0: Right. And you have another one. You have number three, right, coming any week now, very soon. That's
2: true. Yeah, I'm pregnant with number three. And like you say, any time, <laughs> we're waiting. Right.
0: Oh, you're waiting. Ah, oh. okay, we gotta hurry up so that it doesn't happen while you're on the show. No, so when you're uh, in an environment with people, um, you know, in person, uh, and I'm sure you get emails like this too. But they're afraid to try new things because you are doing a lot of new things that people haven't experienced. How do you get them to
2: try it? I really encourage people just do it. I mean, <laughs> the, the initial fear, I think that we all create. A fear that's kind of unfounded, like, but once you get started, once you start doing it, it's like, oh, well, that was much easier than I thought. And so I always tell people, like, just do it. And what's the worst that's going to happen? You can take your fabric and your batting or whatever that you mess up, and that can be the stuffing to a cat bed that you can donate to your local animal shelter. Oh, my gosh.
0: Well, it's true, though. I mean, you can make a potholder out of something. I mean, even... That's right. Yeah, it's a little table runner out of what didn't happen. Yes, yeah, yes. I like the stuffing. Yeah, but if it was really bad, it goes inside the cat bed. That's exactly. Like... That's right. <laughs> oh my goodness. So we have about a minute. What are you currently working on besides waiting for a baby for the baby?
2: <laughs> well, I'm trying to get a whole lot done before the baby. Yeah. Well so I um I currently like I was talking earlier, sometimes I get something stuck in my head and I just can't stop thinking about it. And right now, I have that idea, and it's kind of it's based on fabric weaving. Wow! Uh-huh. And um, so I'm just trying to plan. I'm in the planning stages of how mm-hmm. can I incorporate weaving into a larger quilt. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm working on how to weave with making like a bed size quilt, and incorporating fabric weaving, and I'm really excited for where that's going, and hopefully I'll be able to create it before the baby comes. And so I'll have yes. that on my blog maybe by the end of September.
0: Yeah, no, motivation, motivation. All um, right,: it is. So everybody has to follow Laura at sliceofpiequilts.com, and then from there you can click over to her Instagram and her Facebook if you hang out in those places. So, Laura, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much,
2: Pat. I really enjoyed chatting with you today.
0: This is American Patchwork and Quilting's uh, podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll be right back.
3: quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Secure the tool used to change your sewing machine foot to the side of your sewing machine with a hook and loop dot. It's always at hand when you need to make a foot change. We know our listeners love a good deal. We have a special offer just for our podcast listeners. Get 50% off a downloadable pattern of your choice in our online shop. Visit apqshop.com, add a digital pattern to your cart, and enter coupon code PODCAST at checkout. Then get quilting. Visit our show notes for more details.
6: We've been doing the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast since 2011. That's a lot of shows. Search for guests, listen to past episodes, and read quotes from the show on our website. You'll even find a special welcome video from our host, Pat Sloan. Visit us at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast.
0: Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I am Pat Sloan, and I'm pretty excited to be talking machine quilting with Katherine Redford. When I saw her book, I really loved how she focused her topic in, and I think for machine quilting, that is such a cool thing to do, so I thought, we need to chat. Hey, Catherine, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks, Pat. I was so excited when I got your invite. um. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we met at, I was at your guild um, a couple years ago, and we said hello, That where you came up and said hello, whatever it was. It was like, but we met, right? Yes, we did. Yes,
7: you came yeah. to Riverwalk Quilters Guild in Naperville.
0: Yes, super cool. So how long have you been quilting?
7: Okay, well, I've always made things, uh, you know, like knitted and sewed and made clothes and things, but I didn't actually start quilting till after I moved to America. So I came here in 95, and I think I took my first classes in uh, 97 or
0: 98. Wow. So, so- that was... Um- so you've seen a lot of changes in quilt making.
7: Mm, I, I guess so. I mean, I I, I jumped right in, so uh, I had to go at everything. So <laughs> it was a lot of fun.
0: So I imagine your quilts now are a little bit different than when you started.
7: Well, I certainly know what I'm doing a bit more than I did back then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
7: Yeah, I look at my I look at my first quilts, and um, there was a lot of brown. Oh,
0: lots of brown. Yes. <laughs> so not right. quite
7: so much brown anymore.
0: Right. Yeah. I think that we all had that back around that time frame. It's just I started a little bit after you, so it was kind of that was the common color. A lot of um, reproduction, right?
7: Yeah. There was there was some of those going around, but I mean, I I did after that after those first few brown ones. Yeah, I, I was always looking at what was new and what was bright. So. Yeah, people started to notice that I was using the bright colors, really, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, (laughs) after those first few.
0: So was your first – did you start machine quilting right away?
7: Well, my first quilt I made was a sampler. And so it was like a five- or six-week class, you know, and you did Mm -hmm. a bit every week. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the one before the last one, we hand quilted it, and I went back ready to put my binding on because I needed to learn everything. Mm -hmm. And then I signed up for my next class. And I thought I needed to hand quilt that. And then I discovered how long this was taking. So I thought (laughs) I really needed to learn how to do something a bit quicker. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, I I did start learning machine quilting almost right from the start.
0: You know, I have kind of the same story because I knew I was going to make a lot of quilts and I need to be able, you know, and I needed to finish them. So I wasn't going to. Yeah. It takes a lot of time to do hand quilting. Um, So, you know, how did you end up teaching? Did did it just sort of, you know, your local area, did you start? Well,
7: when I I moved here, I I didn't know whether we were going to stay or not, and I'd been teaching sort of some embroidery and stuff in England. And so I thought, well, if I learn to quilt, and we end up going back then I'll have mm-hmm. learned something new that perhaps I could teach mm-hmm. so really I started learning thinking that I wanted to teach but I had to wait until I had well until I'd learned enough right. and also <laughs> till I had a work permit mm-hmm. yeah you know, a work permit's a good thing mm-hmm. so, <laughs> so really those those two things all came together in about 2003 and yeah and I started teaching locally um, and, and, and the rest as they say is history you know I that's thought right. locally for 10 years before really I went out on the road.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Now when when you started teaching were you doing the the machine quilting since that's sort of you know what your book yeah, is about? Yeah well I
7: yeah well I started teaching a bit of everything so mm-hmm. you know when you teach in a shop you teach using somebody mm-hmm. else's book you know that that's like a textbook and mm-hmm. so I teach a bit of everything but the The teacher who was teaching the machine quilting classes, she left to sort of get a full time, you know, proper job. Mm-hmm. And so I said to the owner of the store, well, "Can I teach the machine quilting?" So it was pretty soon after I started teaching. Um, whether I should have done or not, I started teaching <laughs> machine quilting.
0: Well, I think that a lot of people are like that. I mean, we already know a basis, and when you're teaching sort of like starter classes. You already know way more than everybody, so you're just sort of yeah, yeah. So it works yes. out. Um, so when yes, you, I'm, yeah. So tell me what you um, the approach of your book. I really like it. Okay. Well,
7: you know, I, I've been teaching you know quilting for a long time, so I always taught it in two halves. So I teach like a um, an introduction and then a walking foot section, and then everybody could go home and quilt quilts. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to learn more. So they'd come back and we'd do the free motion part separately. You know, Mm -hmm. they've already got the basics. We can start right there and, you know, put the feed dogs down. Mm -hmm. So when I did the book, I wanted to do it the same way. So I did the introduction, which is all the basics and all the things that you can do that help make it easier when you come to quilt your quilts, you know, Mm -hmm. because your top is in good condition. Then I did the walking foot section. And then I did a free motion section. And then people always want to know how to quilt the quilt. So I did a section that really just shows a gallery of quilts that I've made and my thinking behind it. And then everybody likes a project to work on that they can add some quilting to. So we did, you know, four projects. And that's what made the book.
0: You know, I like that uh, You, your book is called Modern Machine Quilting, Make a Perfectly Finished Quilt on Your Home Machine. So, Catherine, mm-hmm. one of the, the great things I, I think in here is that all the shapes are very doable and they're not sort of unusual. Like anybody can look at these no. and think, I can do those. Well, that's, that's what I really
7: like, um, to do. You know, when people come to class, Mm -hmm. I don't need them to look at me and think, oh, I can't do that. You know, oh, she's, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I like them to know, I like them to say, oh, you make it look easy. Well, Mm -hmm. yeah, I should. I should know what I'm doing. But (laughs) I really want them to go home inspired. Oh, I could do that if I practice. You Mm -hmm. know, I, I, I can do that. And so, yeah, that's, I want to keep it like that because if somebody really takes to machine quilting, Then once you've got a smooth stitch and a, you know, even stitch length, you can do your own thing. You don't need somebody to keep telling you what to do. It's really, you know, those beginning steps that I want to just inspire people to start Mm -hmm. and then they can make their own way.
0: So when, when we're dealing with uh, modern quilts, quilts that are designed mm-hmm. in a modern aesthetic and uh to me they often have which you showcase as well uh a lot of space for the quilting to show versus a lot of patchwork. There'll be sort of open areas. How do yeah. you ex- how do you approach filling in that open area to to learn?
7: Okay. Yeah. It- Negative space really, yeah, it, it's a big deal in, in in the modern quilt, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So usually when I'm designing a quilt or I'm thinking about the quilt I'm going to make, I'm actually thinking about how I'm going to quilt it while I'm like choosing the design or mm. deciding what colors I'm going to use. So usually by the time I come to quilt it, I've got a pretty good idea. So if I've got lots of, of that empty negative space, Sometimes it will be a case of just extending whatever I'm doing over the whole quilt. Say I want to do some irregular shit quilting. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. the very close together lines, but I do like to leave the odd space just to disrupt that. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. I'll add some hand stitching in there. So that will go over the whole quilt. But sometimes, you know, you want to showcase something else. Mm-hmm. So what I'll do then is I'll look at my quilt and I will sort of Narrow the space. So what I mean by that is I'll choose some spaces that I want to showcase something special. And I'll bring that large area down to a smaller area, sort of by doing some straight lines that make a a wide space narrower, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you've just got that narrow space to fill in with whatever your favorite motif today is or whatever motif you think will go with the quilt. Sometimes I'll use like a curvy line and then okay. I'll do what I call organic curves across my quilt and I won't necessarily make them all parallel I'll make groups of them and then between those groups there's some um space that I can fill in with another motif but really I'm I'm looking to make that large space into some smaller sort of more manageable spaces that's and a, then do something tip. special in those
0: yeah, and that's a good tip because I think people look at a whole project and it's hard sometimes to visualize. But if you but you're teaching mm-hmm. us how to break it down into yeah. sections and think about them in sections, and you've got yeah. you're mixing like walking foot and free motion. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. So I mean, I don't see
7: one as being superior to the other. So mm-hmm. I want to use you know whatever's the most suitable, either. You' from a um a design aesthetic, or sometimes it just comes down to how much time you know if you're mm-hmm. making a baby quilt, you know you probably want to get it finished before you know the baby's walking or gone to school <laughs> right so you know you're going to put something simpler on it aren't you right, right. But, you know if you're making something a little more special, then you're going to spend more time and and choose something a little more complicated
0: yeah, Catherine, this is so wonderful we um have like just a very short time to wrap up tell us where people can find out where you'll be
7: okay well of course like like all good quilt teachers you know i, I have a website and a blog mm-hmm. and it's easy to remember because it's just at katherineredford.com and uh, on there you can go to my calendar and uh, every signed contract you know is is entered on the calendar so i'm booked pretty solid you know through this year and and into next year all over the country i've uh, started taking bookings for 2020 and i just got one for 2021 so wow it looks like i'm going to be teaching for a while (laughs) but um you know there's still some gaps i can still come and see you wherever you are you know right or they can come Uh, and
0: see they might be visiting people might be visiting where you're teaching so or you're oh absolutely so they can find i always have the links
7: yeah, yes. I always have links to whoever I'm visiting, so you can just click on that and contact
0: them. Yeah. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining me. I just love your book. Good job. Well, well thanks so much. Thank you. This is American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. You can visit allpeoplequilt.com uh, online. Uh, you can go to Facebook and maybe check out their UFO group. And then I'm Pat Sloan. You can visit me at patsloan.com, find out all the projects I'm doing, and we will see you next time. Hi all and thanks for listening. If you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to rate and review the show.
2: It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.